Hey, Joey Mills here with Pop Goes the Culture Podcast, and I have got another special treat for you today. We have a bonus interview with a fellow we met out at Louisville Supercon. Today is his 30th birthday, so happy birthday. We are talking with author Kyle Alexander Romines about his process and his works uh, and what he's got coming up. He's a busy fella. So we're going to chat with Kyle. And again, happy birthday, Kyle. And here we go. All right. I am joined on the line tonight by, I'm going to call you best-selling author because I saw the photos. I know where you finished and I know who you finished behind. But I am talking tonight with author Kyle Alexander Romines and you have the dubious distinction of finishing right behind Stephen King, number two uh, Amazon bestseller list. So I'm going to call you best-selling author nonetheless. First of all, thank you for your time. How are you this evening? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Joey. Absolutely. It's been a minute since we last had a chance to get together. So how was your holiday? Oh, fantastic. Had a great Christmas, had a book launch, yeah. and uh, planning several others. Yeah, it looks like and sounds like you've been busy and plan to be busy. So let's talk a little bit about how you got into writing because it's it, you don't immediately associate uh, somebody with their MD with as a best-selling author. So tell us a little bit about the path that got you here. What were some of the books that influenced you? What was it that kind of got you to take that first step into trying your hand at this and and obviously you know we saw the success that's come with it but tell us a little bit about how you came to this point sure i was a very shy kid i didn't have many friends when i was growing up i was really introverted so i grew up reading books books were they were my friends i could through books i could rescue a beautiful maiden or transport myself to another world and i i started reading goosebumps probably those were my first chapter books i remember yeah and um they basically opened up a whole new door for me. I, I grew up reading books and, and loving books. I think I read a lot of comic books growing up, which is what got me interested in superheroes uh, and fantasy. And uh, they all those stories always stayed with me. And as I got older, I realized I had stories of my own to tell. Absolutely. Is there any author or particular genre or style that appealed to you because – just looking at some of the works that you've had published already, I've got a feeling there are one or two or a handful of individuals maybe that you feel like, I don't want to say that, I'll say they influenced your style, but I'm not trying to make that sound like you're aping their style because your work's right. stand on their own. But tell us some of the folks that maybe that, that have influenced you as you've as you explored you know writing to begin with and as you've grown as a writer. Well, going back all the way to Goosebumps, I'd say, R.L. Stein, he wrote, he wrote his books in such a way that every time you finished a chapter, you wanted to turn to the next page. And even as a kid, I remember I was glued to the book, waiting breathlessly to finish. And so I kind of took that approach to writing my books to where when you finish a chapter, instead of going to sleep or, or going back to what you were doing before, it makes you want to finish. I, I had a, a reader contacted me uh, yesterday by email and he told me that he had a day off from work and, and started one of my books. And he said that he lost the whole day because he ended up reading it from cover to cover. And I was just like, that's the goal. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there, there are, and, and there are, there, I don't want to say right and wrong because that sounds judgy, but there are ways to do it that are more effective than others. And obviously, if you can perfect that way that, you know, it's hard to put that book down, 
where there's a natural break, like a chapter ending or whatever. That's like you said, that's, that's the goal. That's what you want is somebody to stay so invested in the story and in the characters that they continue even when it's bedtime (laughs) to leave the light on and keep on reading. So. Absolutely. When, when I first started writing uh, before I had anything published, I, I used to put way too much detail in my stories and what I realized is by stripping out a lot of the flowery language and stripping out a lot of the fat, I actually concentrated on the plot and the characters. And so I made it more interesting and fast paced to readers. Was that based on feedback you received or was that based on you know you reading versions and drafts down the road and realizing that, well, wow, there's a lot of stuff I can cut here. What were some of the some of the influences, some of the I don't know. I won't call it advice either because that sounds not the right words. I'm struggling for the right words tonight, which is your job. You're the writer. But what are maybe some of the things that you've learned along the way that, that starting off, maybe you hadn't considered things this way or, you know, it, it takes a third or fourth draft before you realize, wow, I can really do diff- things differently to make this flow more smoothly, either in this book or in the next one that I write. That's, that's actually a really great question, Joey. When I wrote my, my first book, was actually an attempt to uh, retell the myth of Jason and the Argonauts. Right. And I had I had about 50 main characters, and the dialogue was awful. And I my my sister read it. She was the first person to ever read one of my books, and it was so bad that she refused to read anything else that I wrote until my fourth book actually got published. Nice. And so basically, getting feedback and trial and error, a combination of those two approaches. I honed my I, I honed my approach. It, it took me four books before I actually felt comfortable enough to submit for publication. And that's I think is important for people that are listening that are thinking about writing. It doesn't you know there is no overnight success story. It takes grinding it out sometimes and living with a, an imperfect book when you know there's a better story in there. You just don't know how to find it. You don't know if you need to chisel it away or if you need to pull something else up to the surface or so no, I think it's a great important point there that it, it does take time and hard work. You're so right. Well tell us a little bit because again, not an overnight success, obviously. We talked about that, but your debut novel was nominated for the Bram Stoker Award back in twenty fifteen for uh, superior achievement in first novel. So tell us a little bit about how you got the news, how that felt. Tell, talk, kind, of, kind of talk us through that. I know it's been a few years, but kind of talk sure. us through that whole situation and that experience. Sure. So my first novel, Keeper of the Crows, appeared on the preliminary ballot. And what I, I actually had submitted it myself. My, my publisher, Sunbury Press, is based out of Pennsylvania. They encouraged me to um, and, and they did themselves. I think they submitted me for a couple of thriller writers awards. Thriller um, keeper kind of spans different genres. It's right. supernatural horror. It's a thriller, supernatural thriller. It's mystery. Um, so they submitted me for several awards. And when I found out that I was a ballot, I actually, I was, I was so happy, but I think I messed it up. I, <laughs> I didn't realize until after that I am, I was able to submit the book to free for reviewers. So I don't think that I was able to post that. So I don't think that I actually got the book out to all the people that were voting on the awards. I'm not sure about that, but yeah, yeah, in retrospect, I could have handled, I I could have had a a better approach to that. Yeah. But you didn't know any better. I mean, first time I made a lot, a lot of rookie mistakes in the beginning. 
Well, that's all right. It doesn't sound like that has kept folks away at all, though, whether they're critics or reviewers or just casual fans and readers, because, uh, I mean, you don't get the accolades and the achievements that you've earned and received without without folks not only reading the books, but gravitating towards them, wanting no, to know more, wanting the next book. So that has, I, that's, that speaks, I think, to, yes, there's critical reception, but the fan reception, I'm sure for you, is, I don't want to say more important, but probably just as important, I would, I would imagine. You're 100% true. I mean, that, absolutely. I, I can't tell you, I, I told you that story uh, about the gentleman who read my book on his day off. And yeah. every time I get a message like that, it just thrills me. Uh, I, I shared the cover for my upcoming book and I had a lady that on Facebook was like, when is it going to be out? When is it going to be out? Um, and that just makes me so happy. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about your process. How, I know you have a day job, but how much of your time is spent writing? How much of your time is spent revising and editing? Do you finish a first draft and then go back? Kind of talk us through what works for you, for those who are sure. listening that are struggling with a, a routine for themselves. Sure. So by day, I'm a freelance medical writer, which is great because it combines my passions uh, for medicine, my medical degree, but also my passion for writing. And because it's freelance, I have a very flexible schedule, which allows me to do books in a way that if I was pursuing, say, medical residency, uh, I wouldn't be free to. Right. Basically, my approach is I, I use a program, a software called Dragon Dictation Software, which allows me to speak my words and have them transcribed in the computer. And I find that that has really incre dramatically increased my output every day. And I will write a chapter at a time. And when I finish a chapter, I will take the next day and edit it. Um, and and I, I kind of take a pantsing approach to writing. So I, I, I know where I want to end up and I know my character arcs and, and the main themes of the story, but I don't plot out my novels um, in advance. And so I will, I will write the chapter, and then I'll edit the chapter and kind of think about, all right, where am I going next? And then the next, um, the next day I'll write the next chapter. Very good. Yeah, I, I, we all have heard stories. We've seen different approaches. So I think it's interesting to get as many different ways that people approach writing a book to show that it, there is not one right or correct way. Um, Absolutely. Everybody does what's comfortable and what works for them. So I appreciate you kind of sharing that with us. I uh, used to write. I used to write the whole book and then edit it all at once. Yeah. And that was, but that was such a chore um, and such a slog to get through that that's why I changed my approach. Yeah, and that's. I mean, I think that's the way that a lot of us hear. A lot of folks that have a platform tend to kind of advocate for that approach, but I don't know. Like you, I have a hard time with that. <laughs> there, it's hard to turn off the self-edit feature that comes in our brains and. It's hard to let it go, I think, and get to the end when you know what you want to fix in chapter three and you're trying to think about chapter 17. So That's such a good point, Joey, because it also it helps you think about where you want to go, too. You're not getting ahead of yourself too much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about, like you said, you had a book come out right before Christmas. Drone came out, what, a week before Christmas, I think. Tell us a little bit about Drone, because it seems to stand out a little bit from some of your other works. I mean, I know you've worked in uh, hard sci-fi before a little bit, but tell us a little bit about Drone. Sure. Drone is my personal favorite of all the books I've written. It has a special place in my heart. 
uh, drones just in general are very relevant in today and topical. Um, I mean, the, the ethics, the legality and morality of being able to press a button and assassinate a terrorist leader on the other end of the world, um, it's very important to discuss and to think about. And, and now even you have the potential with drones becoming more and more commonplace and used for commercial purposes. You could even order your dinner by drone or, or groceries by drone in the future. Right. Um, and the book, the, the basic concept behind the book is uh, in a world where superpowered being, beings exist, the government gets their hands on a superhero and they lobotomize him and retrofit him with technology to become a drone. And the protagonist of my story, David, uh, it's his job to pilot the superhero Prometheus. And as he's piloting Prometheus, he discovers that some vestiges of Prometheus's conscious remain. And um, I don't want to spoil a lot of the twists and turns that the story takes, uh, but I'm very, I'm very passionate about it. Yeah, it definitely sounds interesting. I, it reminds me just reading kind of through and, and hearing you talk about it a little bit about – it reminds me a little bit of um, a movie that was out a few years ago, and I forget the name of it now, with uh, Gerard Butler and a kid. He was a character in a video game, but he was a real live you know, person. You know, there was a, a child, a teenager, piloting him through you know a video game type scenario but he was an actual person so it, it felt a little bit like that to me in the in the reading and in your description which um, absolutely it t- deals with a lot of those moral issues and how we use people and technology so I I'm excited I I'm I'm waiting for the ebook which I understand is coming soon is that correct yes so I always um, I always launch my paperback first and I give it about a month before I drop the ebook. And actually, in the time that I've waited to launch the ebook, I have launched my next book. Yes, you my, have. I was so, going there next. <laughs> so, I, so I kind of I t- have a tendency to overlap. And the reason that I do that is that I wrote a lot of books while I was in medical school and didn't have the time to edit them and get them out. I actually, including the seven books I have published, I, I've written a total of 21 books. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I am in the stages actually now of applying to medical residency. So my whole goal. <laughs> so your goal output's and, about to slow down. Yes. So my whole goal is to get all the books that I have finished, and I'm writing one now at the same time, but it's, it might be my last one for a little while, for about a year. Um, but my goal is to get as many books as I can edited, covers, and out. Um, and then paste them over the course of that year when I would be in residency and then get right back to writing. So my um, my readers won't ever have to wait. Yeah, that's a good point. Talk a little bit about Wrath of Lords because it is you, – you go from a hard sci-fi in December into – very hard fantasy in in January. So tell us a little bit about how you're playing in these different genres and how that, how if there's a, in your mind, if you have to kind of switch modes or if it's still just storytelling to you. Well, that's such a good question, Joey. I, I love, so everyone will always ask me, all my readers, when are you going to write a series? Mm-hmm. I, I think readers are just, it's, it's in their DNA, uh, 
to to want books in a series when you enjoy writing character reading characters to to see their continued adventures and i've always had so many different ideas that i put that off for a long time but finally i got a series idea that i just became so excited about that i had to i just had to put everything else aside and concentrate on and it's it's called the the uh, warden of fail is the series it's based off a trip i took to ireland and the concept of the series is there are five kingdoms with five kings and queens one high queen rules over all of these kingdoms. Now, each kingdom has its its different economics, religion, pol- uh, politics. Um, so they're all very different kingdoms, and they're all ruled by one high queen. And her wardens, she's appointed wardens who keep the peace between the realms, between the kingdoms. And my main character, Espen Beringer, uh, the bear warden, um, it, he is one of these wardens. And so in each book even though it's an overarching series with uh, storylines that carry over between the books, each book is largely standalone and it follows his adventures in a different kingdom. So in one book, for example, uh, one of the Kings is assassinated and he has to discover uh, who did it Uh, in another book. uh, Another warden goes missing and he has to find the war. So there are all these different um, trappings of, of mystery within the trappings of the fantasy genre. What drew you to that character in particular to want to write that many stories about this one character? Well, Beringer is such a fascinating character. He's he's deeply flawed and he has so many anger management issues. Um, he, unlike most of the other uh, wardens that the High Queen has, uh, Beringer is is loathed and hated by most of the population who view him as a monster um, because in the war that brought the High Queen to power. Uh, he committed some very unspeakable acts. And so he has a lot of guilt. Uh, he's a loner uh, who's frequently forced to work with other people, even though he would prefer not to have any contact with most people uh, entirely. Uh, so he's just an endlessly fascinating character, and pretty much anyone you put him up against becomes an interesting foil for him, the way that he will interact with them. So I, I love writing about him. Did the concept of the character come first or was the idea of kind of the overall setting of the story and the plot of the story, which one in this particular case, which came to you first? A lot of times it's the character, but this time in this case, actually it was the story. I, I had a friend who encouraged me to write mystery novels and he, he write, he writes mystery novels. And and he said, I'd love to see what you would do with the mystery. And I said, how would I be different? Then what could I do that would be different than any of the other mystery novels out there? And then I thought, what if I told an almost traditional mystery story, but I set it in the fantasy genre, and then all the pieces fell into place after that? Very cool. Well, tell me, so in your journey, what has been for you the best thing? And the thing I'm leaving purposely vague because it can be something you've written that you were like, oh, wow, that's pretty good. Or it could be an interaction you had with a fan, or it could be seeing a cover and you're like, oh, that, that is perfect. Or what, what for you is the thing that, that consistently stands out, the thing that makes you smile, the thing that you're like, that is why I do what I do. I'd say probably the support of my family. Uh, when I when I started um, the process to have my first book published and submitting to publishers, uh, I was in medical school, and medical school is very difficult. And I I wasn't sure often is this going to ever pay off? Is this going to ever going to be anything more than a than a hobby? And I was just incur- so encouraged by my mom and my dad and 
and everyone in my family uh, to keep going. And then they have been my biggest champions. So every time I have a signing or I was at the Kentucky book fair, or um, they'll drop whatever I was on television a couple of weeks ago, they will drop everything and, and go with me and um, the, do everything they can to support the book. So I, I, I wouldn't be here at all. if not for them. Absolutely. What is, I know you've done, like you said, you've been on television, you've done press. What's the question that no one has asked you yet that you're just dying to answer, that you're thinking to yourself, man, I wish somebody would just ask me this. What is that question? What's next? Because I, people tend to focus so much on the book that I'm launching at the time. And it, it's very rare that I get asked about my future plans. And I, I have to say, I have this fantasy series is only the beginning. Um, this world, uh, I love spending so much time in and coming up with background information for. Uh, I have a, a prequel fantasy series in the works. I have a related fantasy series set in the same universe. And I, I'm just really excited for people to find out about those over the over the next next several years. So I'll be spending a lot more time with Berenger and Fail. When you're doing press for stuff, does it ever feel like you've moved so far beyond that book that you're that you don't want to talk about it or it's hard to talk about it or well it as you write so many books occasionally it does as time goes by you start to forget so something that's funny i uh, i speak to a middle middle school class close to where i live every year and they always read my first few books like those are the ones that they like that they the class always decides to read and I tell you, they ask me the most penetrating questions, more so than like any other events that I do. And they'll ask me specific questions about the plot and the characters. And I have to do my best to remember because a lot of times I'll forget because I have new characters and plots in my head all the time. Right. So we've got Drone out currently. Uh, the Wrath of Lords, the first book in your Warden of Fail series, is out currently. What is the next one that you have slated for publish? So I'll be dropping the ebook for Drone later this month. Yes. But the next the next book on the list is the Blood of Kings. It's the sequel, and I plan to I plan to launch that. That's at the editor right now. I plan to launch that in either um, February, yeah, February or maybe March. But my plan is to have the first three books in the series out by April, so that I can tie in the marketing with the premiere of Game of Thrones. Right. No, that makes sense. So where can, I mean, I'm looking at your stuff right now, but <laughs> where can folks who are listening find out more about you, about your books? Where can they follow you online? What is the link to your Amazon author page? Where can they find out more? Sure. And hopefully um, purchase too. I would say just um, Google Kyle Alexander Romines. I have Goodreads page, a Facebook page, an Amazon author profile page. And I list my personal email on all of this because I welcome anyone reaching out to me at any time for any reason, whether it's to talk about my books or whether someone is interested in writing or whether someone is a writer and wants to know about like marketing or, or anything like that. I, I love helping new writers or people that are interested in books. Absolutely. When are you going to find out if you get accepted to residency? March. So March is called the match. And it's an intimidating <laughs> word for an intimidating process. You interview at a bunch of programs and then you rank them based on how much you like them. And they rank you based on how much they like you. And then if your ranking and their ranking coincide, you match 
and you have to go to that program. <laughs> and if you don't match, you get put in what's called the scramble, which is really intense. And so all the pro- people that didn't match are competing for the few programs that didn't fill over the course of days. And it becomes very hectic and intense. So we'll see what the future holds for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we wish you the best of luck. Anytime, feel free to reach out. We'd love to talk to you and uh, let us know what you've got coming up. And we will be sure to do our part to uh, let our listeners and our followers on social media know where they can find the next book. I had a blast talking to you, Joey, and I can't wait to come back. Absolutely. We look forward to talking to you again. Best of luck. Hopefully, uh, we hope that you get in. But at the same time, we hope that you find plenty of time to continue to write as well because... uh, it, it's one thing to pay the bills and it's another thing to do what you love. And when they coincide, that's great. Um, but don't lose this because yes, we always need doctors, but we always need good authors too. Thanks, Joey. Absolutely. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you later. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you. This show has been brought to you by the pop goes the culture podcast network. Find links to all of our podcasts and more at popgoestheculture.com.